Welcome to Abergavenny Baptist Church, growing in faith and friendship. So the Bible reading is from Galatians chapter 4 and verses 1 through to 7. What I'm saying is this, that as long as an heir is under age, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. The heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we were under age, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of this world. But when the time set had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. So we continue our series through the book of Galatians entitled Freedom in Jesus. And today we're looking at Galatians chapter 4 and verses 1 through to 7, where Paul makes the distinction between a slave and a son who is an heir. You see, when we put our faith in Jesus, we become a child of God. And as a result, we become an heir. We, we inherit all of God's promises of blessing, forgiveness, freedom, life, eternal life. But so often, even though we are a child of God, we still live and, and relate to God as though we're a slave. Rather than enjoying a, a father-child relationship with God, we start experiencing and relating to God in a, an employer-employee relationship. Uh, we treat God as though he's our boss, and he's given us this, this job description uh, that we need to fulfill, which we can find in the Bible. And we, that means the way we fulfill it is we need to obey all the commands in the Bible. And if we fulfill our job description, God will reward us. He'll give us a salary. And if we do really well, we might get a bonus. But if we don't fulfill our job description and obey all the commands in the Bible, well, then we might get disciplined. We'll get into trouble. We might even get fired. And so we, we kind of see God as this unreasonable, demanding boss that we, we need to obey in fear. But what we discover in this passage is that God is not a boss. He's not an employer. God is a loving father. And this was a particular problem at the church in Galatia. You will remember that there were these, uh, these Jewish followers of Jesus. We will call them troublemakers who had come to Galatia from Jerusalem and they were telling the, the Galatian followers of Jesus that they needed to obey all the laws of Moses, all the, the Ten Commandments and so on, they'd obey them all in order for God to be pleased with them. But by doing so, they were turning God into a slave master, into a boss, into an employer that needed to be obeyed and feared rather than a loving father. You see... God doesn't want us to be his slave. God wants us to be his child. And so today we're going to be looking at two questions. And um, the two questions are, one, how do we become a child of God? And two, how can we know 
that we are a child of God. Now, in this passage, you will notice that there are, there's this double sending. There's this double sending. In verse 4, we read, But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son. And then in verse 6, it says, Because you are sons, God sent the Spirit of his son into our heart. So there are these two sendings. First, God sends his son, and then God sends his spirit. And so what we just discover over here is that becoming a child of God has nothing to do with us. It has nothing to do with how good we are, and it has everything to do with how good God is. It's got nothing to do with our good works or our merit. It has everything to do with the grace of God who sends his son and then sends his spirit so that we can become children of God. So through God sending his son, we receive the legal status of being a child of God. We become a child of God. And it's through God sending his spirit that we receive the experience of being a child of God. That we can actually know that we are a child of God. Okay, so let's unpack this. Uh, Firstly, we're going to be looking at, well, obviously the first question, how do we become a child of God? We read in verses 4 through to 5. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Okay, that's a very rich sentence. It's full of significance and meaning. Uh, This is most likely, Paul is most likely quoting a very, very early Christian creed, a, a statement of belief. Okay, so let's unpack it. So when the time was just right, when the time was perfect, God sent his son. And this implies two things. It firstly implies that Jesus pre-existed. So before Jesus came into the world, Jesus pre-existed. He already existed. In fact, from other parts of the Bible, we discover that God created the whole universe, the whole cosmos through Jesus. Secondly, we discover that Jesus is God's unique son. Now, of course, we're all children of God, but Jesus is God's unique son in the sense that Jesus is completely one with the Father. Jesus is of the very same essence, the same substance, has the same spirit as the Father. And so, therefore, Jesus is 100% God. And so Jesus is completely one with the Father in essence, in being, in, in, in spirit, yet we discover there are two distinct persons. There's the Father and the Son. And the Father sends the Son. And so when the Father sends the Son, he's sending his very own personal presence into the world. And then it says he was born of a woman. That means he became a human. He became a human. And, and let's just think about it. God, who created the whole universe, becomes a human. 
And it's not like he just becomes like a human. No, no, he actually becomes a human, a hundred percent human in every way, except he never sins. And then he was born under the law. That, that's referring to the law of Moses. That means he became a Jew. He had a Jewish mother. And that means he lived as a Jew and he was subject to the Jewish laws, to all the laws of Moses. But unlike everyone else, he was able to fulfill all the laws of God. He was able to obey all the laws of God completely and fully. And so he fulfills the law. So the question is, why? (laughs) Why would God become a human, become a Jew, and put himself under the law? Why? Well, there's a twofold reason. Firstly, to redeem those under the law. To redeem those. Now, to redeem means to set free. So if someone's in slavery, a kind person might pay the ransom price to set the slave free. And we are all in slavery to the law. The the, the Jews were in slavery to the law of Moses. They were constantly trying to obey the law of Moses, but they always failed. And so they kept trying and they kept failing. And so they became enslaved to to trying yet continually uh, failing. And so they became enslaved to guilt and condemnation. And it's the same for all of us. Because the law of Moses reveals God's standard and, and we all fall short. Because we have sinful hearts, because we have selfishness and self-centeredness and greed within our hearts, we, we unable to, to fulfill God's standard. We all fall short and so we all are in slavery to the law. We're in slavery to sin and to guilt and to death. We all stand guilty and condemned before the law. But Jesus came to set us free from the law. Because Jesus fulfilled the law of God completely, Jesus is uniquely qualified to, to, to set us free. Because Jesus became a human, and as a human, he, he fulfilled all of the law, he is uniquely qualified to pay the price to set us free. And when Jesus died on the cross, he paid the price. To set us free from slavery. The slavery to the law, slavery to sin, guilt and death. So we could be forgiven. You see, Jesus died the death we deserve to die so that we could experience life. Now that's amazing. That in itself is just amazing that God loved you so much that God came and died for you so that you could experience forgiveness. That's amazing. But there's more. Jesus came and died that we might receive adoption to sonship. You see, when Jesus came and died, it wasn't just so that we would have our, that we could be forgiven, but we could also enter into a whole new relationship with God, which Paul calls adoption to sonship. 
Now, just a quick sidebar. The reason he's talking about a son and not a daughter, because in his culture, sons had the legal rights to inherit, whereas, whereas daughters didn't. Uh, so, of course, if he was right in our culture, he could have said sons and daughters, but in his culture, it was only the son who had the right to inherit. And the, the phrase, the term, adoption to sonship, was a technical term. It was a legal term within Roman society. So a wealthy man could adopt a person, even a slave, to become his son and heir. This would normally happen if the wealthy person didn't have any children, but not necessary. And the moment the legal papers went through, in that very second, that the legal status and standing of that person changed. They were no longer a slave, but they were a son and an heir. All their previous debts were immediately cancelled. The father sorted that out, looked after that. They, they, they passed, their origin and their past no longer had any say in their current legal status and standing. It was as if they suddenly started a new life in a new family. And they were not second class sons. They, had, they were equal to all other sons, both biological and adopted. They had full legal rights to all of their new father's possessions and property. They were full legal heirs. The best known example of this is the Roman emperor, Julius Caesar. When he was very old, later in his life, he adopted Augustus as his son, even though he had many other children. He adopted Augustus as his son. Augustus, as an adopted son gained the legal rights of all the, other, all the other sons, equal to all the other sons, to inheritance, so that as a result, Augustus became Julius Caesar's successor. Augustus became the next emperor of Rome. Now, that's amazing. That's amazing. This is one of the best things, the greatest things the Bible teaches us, and we often miss it. You see, when I first became a Christian, I thought of my salvation almost entirely in negative terms. It was all about Jesus dying for me so that I could be forgiven. It was all about having things taken off me. I had my sin taken off me. I had my guilt taken off me. But what I missed was at the exact same time, there's another part of that legal transaction. We get adopted. We suddenly gain a whole new status, a whole new standing is put onto you. I suddenly became a son of God equal to Jesus. I mean, do we get that? When we become a Christian, we have the same legal status and standing before God that Jesus had before God. You see, the adopted son has the equal rights to the biological son. Well... We gain a status before God that we can come into his presence with the same rights and privileges that Jesus has. That's amazing. A whole new legal status as children of God. Okay, moving on to the second question. How can we know that we are a child of God? Verse 6 says, Because you are his son, you already have the legal status, you are his son, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out, Abba, 
Father. So firstly, God sent the Son. Now God sends his Spirit. And the Spirit is referred to as the Spirit of his Son. Do you, do you notice that? So, so that, that the Spirit of Jesus is the Holy Spirit, which is the Spirit of God. Do you see how the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are all one? They all share the same essence, the same being, the same substance. They have the same Spirit. So they are completely one, yet they're three distinct persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. And they're all involved in our salvation. The Father sends the Son so we can receive the legal status of sonship. The Father sends the Spirit so we can receive the subjective experience of sonship. Okay, you see, Jesus comes and he makes us legally a child of God. But it's the Holy Spirit that helps us to know that we are a child of God. It's the Holy Spirit that enables us to appropriate that and experience being a child of God subjectively in our heart. Okay, so what do I mean by that? Well, firstly, the Spirit brings a deep inner sense and feeling. Uh, It says that God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out Abba, Father. There's something deep down within our heart that, that calls out. It's this, this very strong feeling, this, this emotion within our heart. Now, I know for some of you to hear a Baptist minister talk about feelings is just astounding, but that's what the Holy Spirit does when it comes into your heart. It brings this, this warmth, this deep feeling, this sense Uh, There's this incredible sense of of God's love deep down within your heart. Secondly, the Spirit brings intimacy in your prayers. So we call out Abba Father. It's not just a random calling out to anyone. It's not just getting all emotional. No, it's calling out to God in prayer. Passionate call out to God in prayer. And we call out Abba, Father. Now, the word Abba is an Aramaic word that means Father. But it's, it's a very intimate word. It's very, you know, the closest equivalent is probably something like Daddy or Papa. It's a very intimate word. It's not a childish word because a, a Jewish adult as well as a Jewish child would, would address their father as Abba. But it is a very intimate word. Jesus was the first person, the first Jew to ever address God, to address his father, his heavenly father, as Abba. It's very intimate, very close connection, close relationship. And when the Spirit comes into your life, it enables you to address God with that same sort of intimacy and using the same words that how Jesus would address his Father. That's how close a relationship it brings for us. Do, I mean, do we realize how amazing that is? I mean, think about it for a moment. The God who created the whole universe, who created the whole cosmos, who flung stars into outer space, the God who existed for all eternity and now is sitting on his throne, ruling in heaven, looks at you and says, 
Call me dad. What? Call you dad? Yeah. yeah. Call me dad. I'm your father. Call me dad. Well, I wasn't expecting that. I mean, I was expecting to call you almighty, most powerful creator, sustainer, holy, almighty God. I was expecting to call you boss. And I was expecting you to give me this job description, but I didn't fulfill it completely, that there was going to be some serious trouble. But dad, that's like totally different. Okay, I can call you dad. Do you get just how awesome it is that we can address God as daddy? It's amazing. Uh, thirdly, the, the Spirit brings assurance. It brings assurance that we are a child of God. Um, yeah, so when, when we call out, Abba, Father, it's the Holy Spirit witnessing with our spirit that we are a child of God. You know, so often we have a lot of doubts in our head. Uh, we start thinking, well, you know, does God really love me? Am I really good enough? Would God really accept me as his child? Am I really God's child? And we live in a world that is constantly telling us, look, you're crazy to believe that stuff. And so we've got all these doubts in our head. Uh, how can we know for sure? Well, we can know intuitively by the Holy Spirit. You see, we can say to ourselves, look, I've put my faith in Jesus, therefore I am legally in status, a child of God. And your head can say, well, I'm not sure. Are you sure? And that's when, if you've got the Holy Spirit, your heart replies, yes, it's true. It witnesses, the, the Holy Spirit witnesses with your spirit that you are a child of God. I can remember when I first became a Christian, I was in a massive church, uh, and they gave an opportunity for people to respond to, uh, to, to surrender their life to Jesus, to invite the Holy Spirit to come in their life. And I can remember sitting there and just having this overwhelming sense of warmth, this, this very strong feeling deep down within me. And, and, it was, and it was as if the Spirit was just witnessing with my spirit, and there was something deep within me saying, yes, yes, this is the right thing to do. You need to do it. And that was the Holy Spirit just witnessing with my spirit that God loves me and that God wants me to be his child. The Holy Spirit gives us that insurance. Paul, Paul says in verse 6, uh, right at the beginning, he says, because you are his son. No other qualification. You don't have to recite any fancy formula. You don't have to chase after some kind of experience. You don't have to add any extra criteria. Because it's got nothing to do with how good we are. It's got nothing to do with our merits and our works. It's got nothing to do with how good we are. It's got everything to do with how good God is. God graciously sends His Son to die for us and His Spirit to live in us so that we can become His children and so that we can call Him Daddy. Have you ex received that free gift? Have you received the love of God? Do, do you know God personally and intimately? Do you know God as Abba Father? Because you can. You just simply have to invite God into your life. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about Abergavenny Baptist Church, please visit our website at abergavennybaptist.co.uk.